Don't you hate it when you get taken, you know, and, and when you're scammed or when you're duped, whoever it is that, that does that to you? Uh, one of the biggest scams that I ever got taken for was uh, when I was on a, on a staff at a, at a large church in Great Falls, and uh, there was a young woman that was going from church to church, and, uh, and she was portraying herself as something she wasn't. Uh, she was going to churches and saying that she was homeless. She was 14 years old. She had nowhere to go. She was hungry. Her parents had abandoned her. And she came to our church, and, and it was such a pathetic, pathetic story that we put her in a hotel. We got her some food vouchers, just, you know, took good, good care of this thing. And about three days later, there was this front-page story in the Great Falls Tribune warning people and churches that there was this person going around, especially to churches, and, uh, and, and getting all kinds of handouts. Turned out it wasn't a 14-year-old girl at all. It was a 21-year-old man who was passing himself off as a 14-year-old girl. Is that crazy? And, uh, you, you know, there's, there's people that just make a business, right? They make a business of duping you. And, uh, and, and we don't like it when we're the victims of a scam, do we? I mean, it, it's just tough no matter what it is. And some of you know what I'm talking about uh, when you have had especially life-altering circumstances that have been based upon some sort of a lie. And, and I don't know what it is for you, but we've all fallen for something. And, and some of us have had uh, parents lie to us. Some of us have had teachers lie to us. Some of us have had spouses lie to us and cover things up. Uh, we've been taken by salesmen from times to time, you know what I'm saying? And uh, today we're going to be talking about lies and truth and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, I hope that you'll leave here today and won't tell any more lies to anybody else. But uh, we're going to be talking about that from the book of Malachi. If you're joining us for the first time or if you've been away for a while, uh, this is week three in my message series that I've called, Why is God so mad? And this is a study in the book of Malachi. Some of you are coming up here to the front to get note cards, and you're welcome to do that. There's also note cards back in the back by Sonny, and uh, feel free to get up if you forgot to get them during the break. Uh, but we have been spending the last several weeks walking through the Old Testament prophecy book of Malachi. And if you haven't been with us, let me just give you a quick catch-up to where we've been. Uh, Malachi was written about 400 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, Malachi was a prophet that was active during the time uh, when the temple had been rebuilt. The Jewish people had been taken off into exile. The temple had been destroyed. And... uh, Just before Malachi's time, Ezra and Nehemiah came back to the city. They rebuilt the temple, rebuilt the wall, and there was this revival of Jewish culture and a return to the worship of God, including animal sacrifices. And and so it would seem, if you read the history books in the Old Testament, it would seem that everything was put back the way it ought to be. And yet a short time after that period of restoration Malachi comes along, and when we read this book carefully, we see that things were not good, and in fact, we read in Malachi that God is really, really mad. He is ticked off. In fact, I've used the term in in the past couple of weeks, the wrath of God. We read in the book of Malachi about the wrath of God, because even though the people were 
uh, back in the temple and they were sacrificing again to God, all kinds of sin and all kinds of rebellion against God had crept back into the culture. And uh, two weeks ago, I talked about the fact that God was angry about impurity and the people were offering sacrifices that were defiled and they weren't, they weren't honoring God with their sacrifices and God was mad about that. Last week, I talked about, uh, along with Pastor Bruce, we talked about God being angry at violated covenants, specifically the covenant of marriage was not being honored. And we talked about how that is still important to us as Christian people to uphold the value and the honor of marriage. And today we're going to see as we jump into Malachi uh, that, that God is mad at false teaching. So I had you lie to one another to illustrate a point. God is mad at people who tell lies because it's very dangerous. And we're going to see that as we, as we study together this morning. So if you follow along in your Bibles, if you'll turn to Malachi chapter two, we're going to start at verse 17, and then we'll get also into Malachi chapter three. Uh, You may be aware that uh, when the Bible was written, there were not chapters and verses. That's something that was put into the Bible long after the the scriptures were written. And Malachi is kind of interesting. They really put the the chapters and the verses in all the wrong places, in my opinion. So uh, we're going to see today that that, that our thought starts at Malachi chapter 2, verse 17, and then bridges into chapter 3 as we take a look at what God has to say here. So if you're along with me, or if you just want to follow along on the screen, the scriptures are all up on the screen today. Uh, Malachi 2, starting at verse 17. Here's what we read. This is Malachi speaking now. He says to the people, you have wearied the Lord with your words. You've wearied the Lord with your words. Now, um, I'm assuming that probably most of us in this room pray at least from time to time, whether you're a full-on committed uh, disciple of Jesus Christ or if you're just checking religion out, in in all likelihood, all of us pray from time to time. Some of us pray before meals. Some of us pray before bed. Some of us take an everyday discipline time to pray to the Lord. How would you feel if, if a prophet like Malachi came up to you and said, you know what, God's tired of hearing you talk? I mean, wouldn't that hurt your feelers just a little bit? Okay, but that's what Malachi is saying to the people. The Lord is weary with your words. And so the people say, and this is an insulting question. The last couple of weeks, I've talked about how the people just keep throwing back these insulting questions to God. And they say, how have we wearied him? They're they're like this kid that's been caught with his hand in the cookie jar. And his mom says, who's eating the cookies? And, And the kid says, what cookies? You know, I mean, this is an insulting question. The people know that God is ticked off, but they're playing like everything is good. How have we wearied him, you ask? Then Malachi answers. He says, you have wearied him by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight. And he is pleased with them. This is our key verse here today. So I want to read it again. You have wearied God by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight. And he is pleased with them. I want you to hear this so well that I'm going to ask you to read this out loud with me. It's up on the screen. Read this with, you, with me, would you? You have wearied him by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight, and he is pleased with them. 
Does that sound a little bit like what a prophet might say to Christian people in the 21st century? That what used to be considered evil, we're now calling it really good. And we want everybody to believe that God's really approving of your behavior, whatever it is. Doesn't that sound like our culture today? What I find really interesting about the book of Malachi is that it was written 2,400 years ago. 2,400 years ago, and yet what was being taught in the culture, what was being imposed on the people 2,400 years ago is just like today, that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight, and he is pleased with them. And Malachi said, God is tired of hearing that being said. Now, to me, this philosophy sounds very, very familiar because uh, we're being taught that good is bad, that bad is good. The Bible calls it false teaching. But we're being taught by the media, we're being taught by our educational system, by our political leaders, by celebrities, and even in, in many areas by religious leaders in, in America and around the world that what once was called evil in religious circles, is now considered good, even virtuous, and that God approves of what we were taught in the past he disapproved of. Uh, I, I was looking for some, uh, some specific illustrations for this message today, and I came across a video by Lady Gaga, who has uh, really become a spokesperson for this very idea that that bad is now good and good is now bad. And I want to show you just a short part of a video that she released a couple of years ago. Now, when I first saw this video, I was kind of surprised that she talked about the birth of evil because I would have assumed that Lady Gaga doesn't even believe in evil. But what's interesting, when you really look into her philosophy and the philosophy of our broader American culture that's being... Uh, that's really become popular, what we're finding is that what is considered evil in today's culture is what the Bible would call good. Standards, virtues, morality. And what is considered good in Lady Gaga's world is what the Bible would call evil. Now, I, I want to emphasize to you today, this is nothing new. This is what Malachi is addressing 2,400 years ago. But it was happening just a short few decades after the death and resurrection of Jesus as well. His brother Jude writes a letter to the churches late in the first century that says this. Just a couple of verses from the epistle of Jude. Jude says, Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his his holy people. Jude says, you've got to defend the faith. Why? The next verse says this. I say this, I say to defend the faith, because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Let me say that again. God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. 
And then he finishes by saying, the condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. This is what I want you to get from these two sentences from Jude's epistle. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. One of the false teachings of every generation, it's not new to us, but one of the false teachings of every generation has been that because of God's grace, Sexual immorality doesn't matter to God anymore. That's what we're being told today. That's what was being told to people in Jude's day. That's what's being told to people in Malachi's day. It's true of every generation, and it never was true, and it's not true for us today. You hear what I'm saying? This is the same lie that's just being repackaged and recostumed by Lady Gaga today and and being told to us in, in new packaging. Uh, and yet we hear the argument all the time. It's been around forever. That's just Old Testament law. I live by New Testament grace. Have you heard people say that? I'm not going to be bound by Old Testament. I'm going to live in New Testament grace. Or they might say, well, that's just legalism. And I don't want to be held to legalism. I live under grace. Or people will say, Jesus gives me freedom. Jesus has set me free from the law, and so now I just live the way I feel compelled to live. I want you to hear what Jesus himself said about this very topic. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Don't think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to what? But to fulfill them. Very different idea. I didn't come to abolish them. I have come to fulfill them. If you're taking notes this morning, this is the big idea that I want you to get today. And I hope you'll never forget this sentence. Here's what it is. Jesus didn't come to make sinning okay with God. Jesus came to make sinners okay with God. Big difference. Jesus didn't come to make sinning okay with God. He came to make sinners okay with God. Wow, all the hankies. (laughs) What's the difference between making sinners okay with God and making sinning okay with God? Well, here's the deal. Jesus came and he offered himself as a sacrifice for sin so that our, our, our sins and our past, the judgment that you and I deserve could be washed away and, and, and put away from us. The Bible says that every one of us has sinned. And um, I'm tempted to ask, is there anybody here who's never sinned? But I know that some idiot will raise his hand, so I'm not going to ask. Um, not a time for waving hankies. Um, The Bible says that every single one of us has sinned, and because we've sinned, we deserve God's judgment. Why did Jesus die? He died because because God doesn't want to judge you and me. And so the grace of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, covers the sins that we've committed. But it gives us a fresh start. Jesus called it being born again. My wife calls it a do-over. I love that, that line. Jesus gives us a do-over, okay? You mess it up the first time, Jesus will wash your past away, give you a do-over. 
But it doesn't mean that God's okay with you to just keep living in the same old crap you've always lived in, right? And I use the word crap on purpose, okay? Because that's what all that stuff is. It's not, it's not helping you. It's not bringing you any life. It's not bringing you any joy. It's not bringing any good things into your life. It's just crap, right? And, and Jesus gives you a do-over so you can do it right the second time. Jesus didn't come to make sinning okay with God. He came to make sinners okay with God. And the reason this is so critical and the reason that, that Malachi is addressing this is because Malachi understood and God had revealed to him that there, was a, there, there is still future. There's a terrifying day of judgment ahead. If you're still in Malachi with me, take a look at chapter 3, starting at verse 2. Here's what we read. Malachi says, He, God, will be like a blazing fire that refines metal. Or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to visit a a foundry. Um, Many years ago, I I got to visit a foundry in eastern Oregon. It's a fascinating process to watch people extract metal from ore, the, the rocks that have metal in them. And uh, I found this picture of a, of a crucible. It's not a great picture because it's so dark. But what they'll do is they'll put some ore, some silver ore, some gold ore, whatever it is. They'll put that in the crucible. And the crucible is, is fireproof. And they'll put it in this incredibly hot fire. And the heat and the fire will pulverize the rock, the, the minerals, and leave behind the precious metal in that crucible that then they can pour out into a mold or whatever. And, and what Malachi is saying is this is what the judgment of God is going to be like. It's going to be this terrifying fire that absolutely eliminates anything that I- I- is not holy. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go there. Yeah. Right? And if we understand that Jesus came to make sinners okay with God, we don't have to, we won't be subjected to that judgment. This is for people that persist to believe the lie that sin doesn't matter to God anymore. I'm jumping down now to verse 5, Malachi chapter 3. Now it's God speaking, and he says, At that time, I will put you on trial. Again, I don't want to be on trial not with God. God says, I'm eager to witness against all sorcerers, against all adulterers and liars. I will speak against those who cheat employees of their wages, who oppress widows and orphans, or who deprive the foreigners living among you of justice. For these people do not fear me, says the Lord of heaven's armies. It's quite a list. You see, God isn't just mad at sexual immorality. Uh, I, I hit that hard a couple of minutes ago, but here's a whole list of things that are not okay with God that, that, again, in our culture, everybody seems to be very comfortable with. In fact, people are saying this stuff is good. The first thing on the list was sorcery. I was thinking about that TV show that has become wildly popular in America, um, Long Island Medium. Some of you maybe have seen that in this It's this woman who communicates with the dead. The Bible says that is not okay with God. 
all right? And, and there's millions of people watching this show, and she even says, this is a gift that God has given me. This is good. The Bible says that's evil. And we can't say that what God says is evil is good. He says adulterers and people who lie, we can't call them good. People who cheat their employees, we can't say that's a good thing. People who oppress widows and orphans and make sure that people continue in poverty and live in want. We can't say that's a good thing. People who deprive foreigners of justice. God says that is not a good thing. We are to be people of mercy and justice and righteousness. And those that say that those things are okay, for whatever reason, God says that is not true. Jesus didn't come to make sinning okay with God. He came to make sinners okay with God. But this is the part I love about Malachi. Malachi loves to paint these incredible pictures of God's anger. And then he gives us this glimpse into God's great love and mercy. And that's where I want to end today. If you're following along with me, Malachi 3, starting at at, at verse 6. Now says this, I am the Lord, and I do not change. And that's why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. I love that. You see, God always, clear back to the time of Malachi, God had this mercy and this love and this amazing patience. You see, these people were corrupt. They were believing lies, but God was still waiting for them to believe the truth. He said, ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them, but now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. What an awesome promise to you and me and every one of us listening to this, that even though God is mad at all this stuff, God's mad at people who are deceiving other people. God is mad at those of us that have believed the lie. God is mad at at those of us that are just choosing to live in sin on purpose and calling it good. It ticks God off, but he's still got his hand out saying, will you come back to me? I'm, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you to listen to the truth. I'm waiting for you to change your mind and come back to me. This is why I've got this up on the the wall every single week. This is the theme of Malachi. Return to me and I will return to you. That's God's message for us. Stop believing the lie. Stop calling evil good and come back to me. God's waiting for you and for me to do that. But sadly... And this is a lesson for us. The people ask one more really insulting question. Look at this. Here's the question. How can we return when we've never gone away? What's really sad is that there's lots of people who believe the lie. And they've believed it so totally that they can't see the truth. I think that's what was happening in Malachi's day. They really believed they hadn't abandoned God. 
And it happens to us today when we persist in believing things that aren't true. We feel good about ourselves. We feel like God loves us. We feel like God approves of us. Listen, we've got to measure things by this book. We've got to measure what's true by this book. We can't keep listening to all the voices in our culture that are telling us that evil is good and good is evil and God is pleased with everybody. All roads lead to God. That's not what this book says. And as long as we keep denying what this book says, we are in danger of the fiery wrath of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? And Malachi is calling us back. Jude is calling us back. Peter is calling us back. All of these writings that I've talked about today, they're calling us back to embrace the truth again and say, God, I'm coming back to you. So let me give you three next steps. Three next, you guys are out of control. <laughs> We're going to have to break up that small group. It's, it's in big trouble. Here's three next steps, just really simple. The first one is this, stop believing the lie. Stop believing the lie. Some of you that are listening to me today, you have swallowed hook, line, and sinker that there are sinful things that God just doesn't care about anymore. And listen, it's not true. And you're in trouble. You've got to change the way you think. You've got to change what you believe and bring your life into confirmation with what the word of God says. Secondly, you've got to obey the truth. It's not enough just to believe. It's got to, you've got to take action. Some of us today need to make some big changes in our lifestyle. And then lastly, number three, come back to God. I don't know everybody in this room. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God. But I'm confident that there are people today that you, if, you, if you just quietly reflected, you'd say, God isn't in my life. God is saying to you, return to me, and I will return to you. Return to me, and I will return to you. Would you put your things aside and stand with me? And I want us to pray. Would you listen, listen to me for just a second? Listen really carefully to what I have to say. If you've been here at Connect for any length of time, you've probably heard me say, no guilt, just love, right? It's one of the axioms that we have said for years. Do you know where that came from? Uh, in the early days of Connect, when somebody that had made Connect Church their, their home, if they would miss church for four, five, six Sundays, I'd give them a call and I'd say, hey, you know, we miss seeing you on Sunday. And the same conversation would take place every single time. They'd Oh, oh, Pastor Russ, I'm so sorry. I know I need to be in church, but my wife got sick and my kids had this and, and we've been traveling and they just launch into all these excuses and it always starts with, I know I should be in church. I'm sorry, Pastor Russ. And I would always say, listen, I, I didn't call to make you feel guilty. I called because I really care about you and I really love you and I miss you. So I just shortened it to no guilt, just love, Right? Because I fundamentally believe that guilt is not a good motivator for much of anything. 
Love is a great, great motivator. And so because that's something that's core to who I am, teaching this stuff from Malachi is kind of hard for me. Because when you read Malachi from beginning to end, there's a whole lot of guilt and only a little bit of love. But you know what? It's in the Bible for a reason. Because some of us need to get kicked in the tuchus, right? And today, if you're here, and, uh, and this stuff is hard for you to hear, and you're feeling guilty and kind of beat up, I want to say to you, listen, I don't want you to leave here feeling guilty and beat up because God's love and his grace is what gives us refuge from his wrath. God doesn't want to judge you. God doesn't want to burn you in the fire. God wants you to return to him and experience his amazing grace. You hear what I'm saying? Let's pray. God, today I've done my very best to open up the words of the scripture, this ancient book 2,400 years ago that reads like it could be today's newspaper. And I've done my best, but today, Lord, I I just need you to speak to people's hearts. And Lord, for those of us that have believed the lie and And we've convinced ourselves that what the Bible says is evil is really good. Lord, we just need you to help us really embrace the truth and to walk away from the lie. So help us to listen to you and help us, Lord, to embrace change in our lives. Now I want to pray one more thing before we sing together. And I want to ask all of you to just repeat this prayer out loud after me. If you're here today and you haven't yet come to Jesus and, and, and you haven't yet reconnected to God and you want to, you, you, you don't want to stand under God's judgment, um, I want to invite you to pray this prayer out loud from the deepest place in your heart. And I know that Jesus is going to begin a change process in you. So would you pray this out loud with me today? Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving me. The Bible says I'm a sinner. And I know that I'm not okay with God. So I ask you, Jesus, to wash away my sin. Change my heart. I'm walking away from the lie. I'm embracing truth today. And I ask you to change me from the inside out. I want to be born again. I need a do-over, Jesus. Thank you for that.